If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley Spotlight. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Also, if you want to leave a comment, question, or concern, please email me at soundtrackalley at gmail.com and enjoy looking at my blog at soundtrackalley.com. This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Hello, I am Randy Andrews, and today I've got a special treat. I've got a composer interview with Bruce Rowland. I've also got former member Josh Howell of Daydream Instruction Manual. On as we discuss the movie, the cast and crew, background stuff, and of course, the music for... The Man from Snowy River, today on Soundtrack Alley. Hello, Josh. It's good to have you on the show again. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, I, it's a really special episode, don't you think? Oh, yes, I agree. I, I was uh, jealous of you when you landed the composer of uh, The Last Starfighter, and when I heard you were you were going to possibly talk to Bruce Rowland, I was like, I have to be a part of this somehow, some way, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just... it just kind of fell into place and there was several emails going back and forth between Bruce and I Mm -hmm. and after a while there was a certain point where those emails stopped and I didn't know why now this is a disclaimer for all my listeners this is kind of a prelude to what actually happened before I got a chance to do this interview because What happened was that he had to go into the hospital three days prior to me trying to get a hold of him. Right. For the next time that we could get actually get a hold of each other. Mm -hmm. And I was just going to go ahead and plan to have his scheduled interview on that day that I was going to do it. Well, that didn't happen. And a day later, his wife emailed me Mm -hmm. and uh, she had said... She told me the story of how he had the acute appendicitis mm. and had been in the hospital. And then he woke up and he kept saying, I have to talk to Randall. <laughs> and she thought he was mad, like, yeah. n- like not angry, but mad in the head, you know. <laughs> and so she just thought he was making it up. And when she looked at his email, she realized I was real. <laughs> <laughs> and so she realized I was that way and that I didn't exist. And so she emailed me back, let me know, hey, he'll get a hold of you within a couple, within probably a day and a half, he got a hold of me. And we were able to set it up for the very next week 
to do the interview because there is a 16-hour time difference. Right. So for us, 5 p.m. here would be 10 a.m. there the next day. Mm -hmm. So I was calling him from the future. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. So now what I'd like to do is present this Bruce Rowland interview. Also, I want to note to my listeners that when you start to hear part of his end of the interview, it's a little hard to understand. But as you keep listening, it gets better and better. And it's just a fantastic interview. So let's do that now. This is a composer interview with Bruce Rowland. Um, I am Randy Andrews, the host of Soundtrack Alley. I've got Bruce Rowland here with me. Bruce, it's really nice to have you on my show. Thanks, Randy. Um, Bruce, when, when were you contacted to compose the film music for The Man from Snowy River by George T. Miller? I actually wasn't contacted by George Miller. Okay. I was, um, what happened was this. I lived in a place called Bickleyvale Road, Royal Park. And um, my next door neighbor was a guy who became a director called Simon Winston. And Simon was executive producer, I think, from memory, on a new movie that was coming up called Man from Snowy River. So, um, he lived next door. So, one day, and I was a jingle writer writing uh, jingles for the uh, movie, for television and radio and stuff. Simon tossed me a video cassette and said, look, have a look at this. Um, and it was just the one cue on that. And it was... Uh, the idea of uh, Sigrid Thornton, who was the actress, mm -hmm. and she was supposedly playing piano, which of course she didn't play piano. And they just done a mock-up of Sigrid uh, playing the piano, looking thoughtful, and he said, have a think about that, about like a Jessica's theme. So I did, <clears throat> and oh, it was about 8 o'clock at night, I watched it, I watched it, I watched it. And I was tired, went to bed, as I normally do, woke up, bolt up right three o'clock in the morning, uh -huh. rushed downstairs, uh, stuck a cassette in the cassette recorder, looked at the video like that, and then just bang, out came Jessica's theme. Wow. In one hit. That's fantastic. Only difference was it had one extra verse to it. Uh -huh. But that was it. So in one foul swoop. That's really so, good. I gave that cassette to Simon. Simon um, was seeing George Miller in the morning, and George, this is long before the movie started shooting, and George and uh, was having lunch with Tom Burlinson and Sigrid Thornton as a sort of a get-together to sort of, you know, meet each other. And so George put the cassette in his car and played it. And all of a sudden, Oh, well, this time Tom was getting very weepy and Sigrid was bawling her eyes out. <laughs> and, and George said, I've got to have it, I've got to have it, I've got to have it. I don't care who else that they've approached, I've got to have this guy, I've got to have this music. And so I got a, this garbled phone call from somebody called George Miller, who I'd never heard of, saying, I want you to do the picture. So, okay, fine. I mean, it was quite weird, but uh, that's how it happened. Oh, nice, nice. Um, what were your initial thoughts um, in regard to, like, your relationship with George as a director? 
I like George. Um, he's erratic. He's um, spontaneous. He's got a heart of gold. Um, and he thinks with this, with his heart. And that's the only way I write music. If it doesn't feel good, it's not right. Mm-hmm. So um, we just got along fine. That's great. Um, so what was your, did you have any influence for the music for The Man from Snowy River? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. Um, well, not knowingly anyway. Uh, certainly not for Jessica's thing. I, I know in those early days, there was quite a few criticisms saying, well, this, this piece is not period. This piece, this was set in 1890. This piece is not period. And I said, who cares? It's, this piece is not from any period anyway. Mm-hmm. It's not modern either. So uh, why be puritanical and say it's not a period to you know, come into the garden more to kind of piece of music? <laughs> not that kind of thing. So I'm sorry, I sidetracked. What was your question originally? Oh, I, I had just wondered, um, you know, if, if you had any uh, influence for I don't, like I, writing. I music. think look, the only thing influence would be when they were talking about a main theme, my attitude was, it's Australia, it's around 1890, it's all, almost a Western, but not quite. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be big and bold and expensive. That's all. Okay. And the only part in the whole thing that's big and bold and expensive is probably the main theme and the mountain theme. Okay. That's really awesome. Um, so when did you begin composing? I mean, was The Man from Snowy River your first film that you had composed for a film. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I've done a lot of television before that. Okay. Um, I wrote a lot of music for kids' TV. There was a show here called Magic Circle Club, which was like a dress-up, pantomime kind of kids' show, and then it became Adventure Island. So for about five or six years before that, I was writing 10 songs a week, Oh, wow. for 50 weeks of the year, uh, plus all the background music. Uh, and it was just like a quartet, like a, a, a small band. But uh, this show went live to air um, five days a week for, I don't know how many years, eight, ten years. Oh, okay. Kept me off the street, saved me getting a real job. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, who is, I mean, I know I've asked you this before we started recording, but did you have like any favorite composer that you thought of when composing the any of your film music, um, even after The Man from Snowy River? There's an awful lot of wonderful film composers out there. There really are. Uh, I was very young in those days, and the only film composer I sort of probably knew and revered was probably John Williams in those days, and I still do. Mm-hmm. I've never met him, I'd love to one day, but it was, um, I never ever thought I was going to be a film composer. I was working in television, I was working in jingles, and then all of a sudden this came into, um, I had an opportunity to write Man for Snowy River. Since then, I think I've probably written close to 40 films. Oh, wow. Over the year. Yeah. Of all different genres and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So. Well, because, I mean, I looked at your filmography on IMDb, and yeah. some of the films I, I don't recognize. I mean, I I only can probably name a handful of them. 
we're a lot of we're a lot of them um, Australian based. Probably yes. Okay. Yes. No, I yeah. just I just thought I'd ask. You know. Yeah. yeah. But there was, there was a lot of smaller pictures as well. You know, I was cutting the teeth on smaller things and trying out different things. And, but Snow River was the first one I ever did. Okay. Well, with with living in Melbourne, Australia, did any additional influence uh, help form the man from Snowy River? I don't know whether Melbourne had anything to do with it. <laughs> But I think being Australian, um, I think Man from Snowy River is a very iconic story in Australia. It's a story that goes back, you know, literally. It was written by Banjo Patterson, I forget the year, but a long time ago, mm-hmm. 1890s from memory. So I mean, Man from Snowy River to, Australian is, to Australians is like the Alamo would be to an American. So it's it's an iconic okay. picture. Well, that's so, that's that's really good because I I just yeah. kind of wondered, you know, living in Australia does you know that probably helped with having the ideas for you know saying all right, well let's do it this way. So yeah, yeah. Just, maybe I don't know. <laughs> um, I just did it that way because that was the only way that I knew how to do it. Oh yeah. And, uh, I didn't really have too much um, direction in, in that area. I, I had an opportunity to go out and just do it, and it seemed to work. All right. Uh, have you like have Have you ever seen any of the the movies that you've composed? And if if so, uh, what was your reaction with the audience that have seen it? Oh, uh, okay. Let me. I'll give you an interesting story here. When we first did Man from Snowy River, uh, at the end of the closing sequence, Americans are sort of known pretty much for wearing their heart on their sleeve as far as the country and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Australians are not quite like that. But I took a conscious big chance, very big chance, at the end of the closing credits, what I decided I wanted to do was weave the Man from Snowy River theme and Walsing Matilda together. Uh-huh. And if you listen to the end of the of the credits, uh, one merges into the other one, and it's it's so subliminal that you don't realise it's happening. Now, you know, here's the reason I did it. The only thing that we had ever had Walsing Matilda put into it in Australia was an old series called Spy Force, years and years and years ago. And they'd used Walsing Matilda, who was one of these uh, um, spy kind of uh, American-Australian spy pictures. And they'd used Walsing Matilda. Well, it was corny. It was awful, awful, awful. But I had always thought when I was doing Snowy that that Australians were really inherently patriotic. They just didn't know that they were at that point. So I took a big chance and I melded the two together. Well, I'll never forget the very first screening and it was at a, at a theatre in Melbourne and it was about two o'clock in the, in the afternoon and this was the first screening with a real audience. 
thought, okay, here we go. They loved it all the way through, and I thought, I hope they're going to cheer at the end, because if they do, then I'm right. And they are being patriotic, etc., etc. If they don't cheer, they're going to boo, and then I'm dead meat. Yeah. And there was that big a chance. Wow. Anyway, I sat there up in the gods watching the thing, and the closing credits came up, and the segue into Walsing Matilda happened, and everybody stood up and applauded and cheered. So I thought, thank you. <laughs> so it, it worked. Well, that's it, good. It was a big chance. Yeah, I, I imagine. Um, so, who has been your favorite director to work with? Oh, look, I've worked with quite a few. Um, I, I don't really want to single one out. I love working with George. Mm -hmm. I probably work with George more than anybody. I love working with Simon Windsor. I've worked with some lovely American directors, a guy called Jeff Blythe, who was a wonderful director. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. They're all different. And, and they've all got wonderful things about them. I haven't met one I didn't like. <laughs> so, um, well, because, you know, you hear you hear different stories of how some directors and some composers had, you know, didn't, you know, they kind of clashed. There was... Oh, true. I true. mean, you, you think about James Cameron and James Horner on Aliens. Yeah. I mean, they, they clashed really badly yeah. with that film. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, it just, it's one of those questions I like to ask to, to know, yeah. was there any conflict or, and no, good, that, that's great that there wasn't. Um, no. are you more comfortable with a large orchestra or a small orchestra? It depends on the job. Sometimes it's very difficult to do things with a big orchestra because it can be, depending on the makeup of the orchestra, it can be a little unwieldy. Um, sometimes it's the complete opposite. Uh, it depends on the project, it really is. Sometimes you can do some magical things with just an acoustic piano and an acoustic guitar. Sometimes you can do interesting things with just percussion. Um, I love using oboes, I love using flutes, I love strings. Um, I use quite a bit of piano. I play piano myself. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I think it depends on the project. I, I, I don't think it's something you can generalize. Oh, okay. I love working with big orchestras. Yeah, that, that's that's a good question. I, I I like to you know hear your thoughts on that. Um, yeah. Did you have any inspiration to become a composer? No. Oh, okay. Not really. No, it, it was it was one of those things that I. Uh, Back when I was young, I was uh, I, I was working. I, I had a day job, and uh, somebody approached me. There was a TV show in nineteen sixty four. It was a pop show, and it, I had been playing in you know rock and roll bands and stuff like that as a teenager and uh, for quite a few years. And I was working in a department store during the day, and uh, a buddy of mine who was a bass player. Um, had a group called The Strangers and they were backing this TV show and their piano player got sick and he called me and said, um, you want to go and, and, and you know, play piano in the, in the band? I said, 
Yeah, okay. We said tomorrow. I said, uh, uh, okay. So I think I took a sickie. And then I think I, I spoke to my father that night. And I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit uh, my day job. And he said, why? Think of your, <laughs> of your superannuation. Think of your pension plan. I, think, I said, I'm 18 years old or whatever it was. And uh, so I quit. And I did that TV show, and that and a couple of other TV shows for probably six years before I did a movie. And as I said before, I was writing 10 songs a week plus all the background stuff and orchestrating for, and it was only a four or five piece band, but mm -hmm. that's how you cut your teeth in this business. I think you can learn a lot by going to college, but I think you learn an awful lot more by actually out, being out there and doing the gig. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. Um, yeah. So, did you ever meet any of the cast from The Man from Snowy River? Met them all. Every one of them. I used to go on location all the time. I used to go, go on location and just soak up just um, the ambiance, if you like, of what was going on. If it was a crowd scene in a town or if it was a, uh, up on the mountaintop, if it was freezing cold or whatever else, I didn't care. I'd just hang out there with the crew and I was welcome every time I wanted to go. And I'd look at the script and I'd say, look, I'd like to have a look at that. And sometimes you go along and you look at it and think, oh, this is totally different the way I would have approached it if I'd just been reading the script. Yeah. Then sometimes you look at it and think, this is a totally, totally different from even if I'd just seen it on video, just being there and being part of it gives you another insight into something. Not all the time, but sometimes. Well, that's... Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So what was it like to meet Kirk Douglas? Daunting. <laughs> we got along fine. Uh, we got along fine. He was uh, a fairly daunting individual mm -hmm. and uh, obviously very, very famous and uh, craggy and... Uh, yeah, but uh, he, he and I got along very well. Well, that's good. I mean... Yeah. I've got a wonderful photograph up on my wall upstairs in my studio. You, you, I'm, I'm in my office downstairs. Uh -huh. But the studio, I have a recording studio upstairs. And I've got a wonderful picture of Kirk and myself. And uh, he looks like he's being very stormy and, and talking to me and pointing out something like this with his finger. I've no idea what we were talking about, but... Uh, and it was bloody freezing cold, you know, <laughs> early in the morning, high up on the mountains in those days. Mm -hmm. no, very nice man. I liked him a lot. That's, that's really cool. Because I was looking at his IMDb, and it said on there that he was born in 1916. That would make him yeah. today, or like <laughs> currently, he would be 100 years old. Yes. So, yeah. And he's still alive. It's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I wondered if you had met him, and did you get yeah. to meet uh, Brian Den Dennehy, is it? Brian Dennehy, yes, yeah. I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How, how was he? a very different individual. Yeah? Was he even very nice. Oh, okay. Well, I, I wondered if he was quiet, or if he uh, uh, was a good talker, or? No, I don't think either of them were particularly... I look, to be honest, I don't remember. Um, I spent a, a reasonable amount of time with both of them on location, on, on the set, and uh, it, they were very charming, they were very hospitable, um, and very helpful. 
and I found sometimes I tended to ply them with questions as far as their character more than they were plying me with the questions. Uh-huh. Well, that's good. Try and get an insight. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Because Brian Dennehy played Harrison in the second movie, and I could never understand why. Not any, any detriment to Brian Dennehy, but they didn't look anything like each other. Yeah. You know, Brian and uh, <laughs> And I kept thinking, why did that happen? Was it just availability or, or what? I think they both did a wonderful job. But I think it's a little bit of an odd thing when you've got a sequel and all of a sudden the parental character is diametrically opposed to, in looks, to the one that you had beforehand. Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what piece of the score uh, are you most proud of? Like, whether it's from The Man from Snowy River or Return to Snowy River. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm proud of a lot of it. I really am. I look, a lot of it I look back on and I think, eh, could I have done it better? Maybe. Um, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, very few of us ever get an opportunity <laughs> to take advantage of it. Um, a, a movie score is what it is. It, it's one of those things that you you've got to churn out three to four minutes a day and you're never going to see that three or four minutes that you did yesterday until you're on the scoring stage. Simple as that. Because the time constraints are ridiculous. So I do all my own orchestration as well. So um, you have to write, you know, compose and orchestrate, let's say, four minutes each day. Uh, the copies comes, picks it up, takes it away, it's being copied, and before you know it, bang, you're in a scoring stage and you're recording. So, <clears throat> but to go back to your question, look, there are two pieces that I really loved out of that picture. One was Jessica's theme, out of Snowy One, um, and the second one was, probably would have been By the Fireside, out of Snowy River 2, mm-hmm. and that was the piece where Jim and Jess were just sitting around and it was quite romantic, and it was just, uh, I was sort of playing musical games with myself. You know? I just had this sort of ostinato thing in D major, just going dum 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 and weaving a melody around it. Mm-hmm. It was almost like you know, rubbing your stomach and tapping your head at the same time. Oh, yeah. So, but, but it was, it, it, I didn't do it to be clever. I, it was just something that happened. Mm-hmm. And 30-odd um, years after that, Quite often, if I'm sitting down playing something or doing a concert, or something, I will always play that piece because I just really like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's really good. Um, so let me ask this: uh, How did you feel for the main theme of the Man from Snowy River being involved in the 2000 Olympics? Very proud. I conducted it. Oh wow! I've never been never been more terrified in my entire life. <laughs> I mean, there was only about six billion people watching. No pressure. Wow. Yeah, no pressure at all. <laughs> uh, I'll let you into a little secret. Um, we, for Olympic openings and stuff, <clears throat> they have to pre-record the music and carry the pre-record just in case. Okay. So I had done that the day before and pre-recorded. So I'm sitting there waiting for the director to cue me, standing on the stage, Sydney, um, I don't know how many people, but hundreds of thousands of people. And all of a sudden, I've got the lighting director on my headset. 
not the director. And I thought, who's going to tell me when to start? <laughs> and I thought, what do I do? There was no cue, no nothing. And I heard tick, tick, and I thought, tick, tick, bang, and I just did it. <laughs> As it turned out, I was correct, because you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden, then they fixed the feed. Oh, sorry, Bruce, sorry, Bruce, sorry, Bruce. And I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> my heart's kind of, you know, a thousand times a minute. Yeah. As I said, no pressure. It's just the Olympic Games in the millennium. <laughs> well, that's... Yeah, interesting. That's a neat story. Um, uh, it's a true story. Yeah. Uh, so is there a certain theme that uh, you had to rework during your process of, of uh, composing for either like The Man from Snowy River or Return to Snowy River? How do you mean a theme that I had to rework? Like, you know, was there a piece that you felt that it didn't seem right and you had to go back and maybe modify it? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Snowy 1 and Snowy 2 were sort of different animals. Um, they, uh, you know, Jessica, by this time, she was not playing something like a Jessica's theme. All of a sudden she was into some sonata, sonata type thing, which I had to write, which was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was it was about six or seven years later, I think, from memory, I can't remember exactly, but I think um, Story 1 was 1981, and I think Story 2 was 1987. So, um, no, there was nothing that I had to really rework. Yes, we used the main theme, because the main theme was, was you know, cult status by that time. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I don't know about reworking. Certainly there was nothing that had to be reworked because we hadn't been happy with it beforehand. The thing I did was, desperately, was a bigger orchestra, which I finally got for Snowy 2. Because Snowy 1, we were really scraping it because it was a small small orchestra. For what I'd written, it was a small orchestra. But I've got to say, though, that The Man from Snowy River, with the simplicity that you had a smaller orchestra to work with, it just yeah. worked. It, it was so beautiful. And I have to tell a little story that my wife, um, her and her mom, when she was younger, uh, her and her mom would watch The Man from Snowy River and they made sure to have the soundtrack and they would listen to that score over and over, and it's still one of my wife's very favorite scores of all time. And she just finds it to be a perfect movie. Well, would you send her a big hug from me and tell her she's got really good taste? (laughs) (laughs) I will. I will definitely do that. Um, Okay. Because she's just, you know, she just is in awe with the film and just how it brings back uh, memories of her and her mom that they would watch it together. And, I mean, her mom doesn't live very far from where we live, but still, that has a very strong memory for both of them. So that's really neat to, you know, to hear about some of the uh, music cues that you've used in The Man from Snowy River or even Return to Snowy River. So the next question I have, um, what is your current project that you are working on? 
I've just finished a, a new uh, recording, which you mentioned earlier, uh, which is available now in the US, solo piano, which is something that I wanted to do that for a long time. And uh, I, I just recorded that uh, recently. It's been released on the Verisara Band, I think about three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know how it's going. I haven't heard uh, anything much from, from this. Uh, look, I've got half a dozen projects about as far away as a telephone call. Oh. <laughs> the biggest problem these days is funding. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to get trying to get the money, trying to get it up. Is it going to happen? You never know. You really never know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's lots of things I've sort of uh, kept myself busy by doing uh, this other album, which I wanted to do. But uh, to be honest, I haven't even thought about it because... I've only, I came out of hospital six days ago because I took my granddaughter to a tennis lesson. I get this terrible pain in my stomach. I thought, what is going on? Next minute, I've, I finished up you know, in an emergency room, and my appendix was about to burst. Oh, that wow. was, at my age, you've never heard of anyone, you know, an older person, having that problem. So um, I've sort of put work on hold for a couple more days, and then I'll go back to it and try and sort things out. That's but it's never a dull moment. <laughs> well, I would imagine not. Um, and, I mean, one of those questions that I had was, what will be your next project? Um, considering you had just done the piano album uh, called, yeah. I, it's called uh, The Man from Snowy River and Other Movie Themes. Is, is that correct? I think, I think, I think it is. I, I haven't even got one handy. But, oh. Uh, I've only had a, a, a copy of it about the last four or five days. So mm -hmm. I've never even played the copy that I've, I've got. I recorded it here. I recorded it in my studio upstairs. Mm -hmm. And my brother did the recording. Uh, he's a wonderful recording engineer. So, uh, and we get along pretty well. So well, that's good. <laughs> that's really neat. Um, yeah. So, it's, you know, I think, I think it's just been really an amazing uh, opportunity to be able to converse with you about uh, your scoring on The Man from Snowy River. And uh, I know you've had multiple different uh, projects that you've worked on, like with Andre, and then um, yeah. you did yeah. Lightning Jack. And, yes, uh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And then... That, that was a bit of fun. Was it? <laughs> I wondered. That was a bit it was crazy, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah, I wondered how that how that was. Um, did you get to meet Paul Hogan? Oh yeah, I know, I know Paul quite well. Okay. And uh, he he he's an interesting guy. He, he, he's a funny guy. <laughs> uh, he, he knows exactly what he wants. Uh, that's all right. It's fine with me. But Lightning Jack was fun. Andre was lovely working up uh, around Seattle with George Miller again. That was nice. I think it's the last time I worked with George. I haven't worked with him for quite some time. Oh, yeah. But there's lots and lots of projects out there, but the hardest part, as I said, is trying to get the money. Yeah. Uh, and you're literally a phone call away, because, and suddenly you'll get that phone call, and it's something you've completely forgotten about. But it's been bubbling away in the background, and, and there's been a director out there really pushing for it, or a producer pushing for it, and suddenly someone green lights it, 
and it's happening. You think, oh, I've forgotten about that one. So just when you ask, what's your next project? I never know. Okay. I really don't know. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's good to know. Well, do you have any last, last type of stories in regard to uh, either scoring the man from Snowy River or the experiences you had uh, being on the set? Were there any funny stories that were involved with that? Look, I, well, I can't think of anything offhand. Okay. But, uh, it, it was, we had a lot of fun. We really did. Virtually nobody, apart from Kirk Douglas on that film, said, had ever done a movie before. Nobody. This was for the first time for all of us. We were movie virgins. Mm-hmm. And um, Kirk Douglas was probably the only actor, the, the real actor, as mm-hmm. far as that that I can think of. I mean, we'd all done television and we'd all done different things like that. But yeah. this, all of a sudden, was a whole different ballgame. And so everyone gave it their absolute utmost. And um, we didn't know if we were doing it right or wrong. But to me, you know, my whole feeling of the, of the whole thing, music was always, if it doesn't feel right, it's not. Mm-hmm. If it feels right, then it's right. A lot of people, you, you can sort of be very cerebral about it and sort of say, oh, yes, well, this, this really should balance and do that. Sorry, I don't care. <laughs> if, it feels, if it feels good, it's good. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be able to chat with me over Skype and to do this interview. It's It's been kind of a, a rough roller coaster for you over the past couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, I, I'm so glad that you're feeling better and that you're on oh, the mend. I'm back on, back on board. <laughs> well, That's Wrangle, is it? Yes, Hello, it is. Hello. 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 Nice to see your face. Yes, I, I, I do exist. <laughs> yes, you do. Hello, nice to see you. Yes. I'm leaving first. Bye, bye. Okay. All right, bye. Nice to meet you. Yes. All right, so Bruce, right. thank you so much. Not at all. Not and uh, I will. Uh, my pleasure. Yeah, and it's been just a real joy to be able to have you on my show. One one thing that I would like to do is, uh, with this interview, I'm going to be including it in an actual episode of my podcast, and it'll be right. it'll be on the man from Snowy River. And okay. I'd like to include at least just three three cues from the album of The Man from Snowy River. Okay. Look, I, I'm not sure who you have to talk to as far as permission. I don't have a problem with that. Okay. But you might just have to check or yep. if, if you need to get clearances from... Yeah, I know. I, I, have, to, I have to work that out, so... <laughs> okay. But it... it Randall, Thank you again. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you enjoy the rest of your day, okay? I will. It's a busy one today. I imagine. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right. So, Josh, what are your thoughts on that interview? Well, first of all, I think it's the the story of how you landed that and the obstacles getting that recorded is just fantastic. I'm so glad. When you you told me that he was... uh, that he was ill, that he was in the hospital. I was like, no, like this can't be, this is Bruce Wilson. You know, thankfully it was just, a, what was it, acute appendicitis or yeah. something like that? Okay. 
I mean, that's still terrible, but oh, yeah. thankfully it was that, you know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he he was saying, I need to talk to Randall, that just shows me, you know, some of his character. I mean, he doesn't know you and no. and you're you're not uh, you know, some broadcaster on Entertainment Weekly or something like that. <laughs> but he he valued uh uh, what you were bringing and, and you wanting to talk to him. And so that's pretty cool. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. It, it felt really personal. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like a really personal conversation Yeah, that it wasn't just us emailing, trying to get the schedule down, but I was actually genuinely concerned about him as a person. I wasn't, you know, I can set up an interview anytime. Sure. And it's like, let's just, let's get you feeling better first okay <laughs> so and that happened and it just you know it really showed even in the interview he was just immensely thankful for me interviewing him and i mean we had talked before about you coming on during the interview and the reason i didn't have you on is because of that 16 hour sure time difference logistics and everything yeah, yeah. It makes sense and it's just you know convoluted area mm-hmm. so but anyway you know we're here to talk about the man from snowy river it was really unique to get some of his highlights of how he even began like what are your thoughts on like how he began with music uh well the music on Mayfair, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah i i loved how because one of the most iconic tracks on that is jessica's theme um for for piano players that's a big one i've heard it several times at different types of recitals um over the years and and then just you know just for anybody that loves uh music that's a very popular theme and some people might not know that it's from Manfrey river but that's where it's from and the, and the fact that that was the song that landed him the gig um is incredible because there's obviously there's some other really big tracks yeah on the score but his yeah i, I loved his story about how uh he was working on it one evening couldn't figure it out woke up three in the morning <laughs> yeah. and just just wrote it all out that's amazing i love that yeah yeah he just ding here it is mm-hmm. and then on top of that the uh the director George T. Miller mm-hmm. had the, the the two leads in his car and put it. It was on a cassette, yeah, and put it on and and uh, 1982 they, exactly. So, or, yeah. Well, it was probably like 81 or right, 80, right. He yeah. heard it, but that's great. And then that's they 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 loved it, and that's what got him the gig. I, I loved yeah. that. That was a great part of the interview. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it was really interesting. With you know, when when we think about that movie alone. Well, for one thing, in the interview, um, I was telling Bruce how much my wife loves The Man from Snowy River and that it was a special bonding experience for her and her mom. Mm -hmm. And to this day, she loves that movie. She loves that soundtrack. And so he told me to give her a hug. Oh. uh, After doing the interview. And I did when she got home. Because I was like, this is from Bruce. And she's like, oh, thank you. So it was just, you know, it was a very personal uh, thing for her, too, that, you know, she has this love of horses. And and one of the scenes in the movie that just still fills me with awe is when um, Jim is on his horse and they're after the Brumbies and he goes down that 
cliff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's one shot. I know. I love it. That's not even a double take. It's not a triple take. It is one shot. And he never had ridden a horse before filming this movie. Mm -hmm. And yet he did the whole scene. He went down the whole mountain, not missing a beat. And that was just astounding to me. And all the other writers are just standing there and they're just looking at him and he just goes whoop mm -hmm. right down the cliff. And it just, you know, blew my mind. And it just was a fantastic scene. What kind of scene in the movie stands out for you? Yeah, well, that whole chase, uh, that whole sequence, I mean, I, I loved every bit of it from the beginning when, when they're, you know, all the guys are there, they want the money, you know, who can get there first and, and Tom's character is just the one that kind of hangs back and waits mm -hmm. and then waits for them all to go and then goes out himself. And, uh, you know, because the whole point of the movie is his, his father dies. They have a, a kind of cabin, a shack up in the mountains. But the mountain people say, well, just because you were born up here doesn't mean you belong up here. You have to prove yourself. And so this chase is very much him proving himself over all these hired men and so I love I love everything about that scene, about him taking the shortcut, about him going over the cliff, about him uh, uh, putting the the brumbies through the snow. Uh, it's just a there's a well shot sequence yeah. altogether. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, And I I found even with the interview that he went there on set mm -hmm. any time he wanted to see you know where they were filming, mm -hmm. what it was, and. I mean, he was even there on cold days. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. One of the things that I put up on my Facebook page is a picture of him in his studio. Mm -hmm. Of him just young, young self, you know. Sure. And it's a black and white picture and him by his piano. And it's just a really neat picture. So when you get a chance, check out my Facebook page because I just updated that. One of the things I, I enjoyed was that there were several references to Banjo Patterson. Right. And the movie was basically based upon a poem mm -hmm. that this man had written. And it's just an amazing poem. And it is basically the movie. Right. And it, that's what makes it so unique. And um, I just, I enjoyed just the, the way it's written. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I mean, there's a few instances of iambic pen pentameter. Yes. But there's some of it that it's like free verse. Mm -hmm. and, but it's just beautifully written. And uh, I, I really enjoyed looking at it and really reading it. It tells like Jim's story, but doesn't give him a name. Mm -hmm. You know, it gives Clancy right. a name and it gives Harrison right. a name. But it never gives him a name in the poem. Mm -hmm. But in the movie, of course, we we get to know him as Jim. And that that story continues in Return to Snowy River. Snowy River. Mm -hmm. Always have a hard time saying that. <laughs> uh, or the Untamed, as it was called in yes, the United Kingdom. Yeah. That, that makes actually a much better sense in a way. I guess, yeah. Like, because... Even Bruce Rowland had said that it was like Snowy River too. Right, that's you know, what he. That's what it was that. in Australia. Yeah. Uh, but the soundtrack was called Return. 
Mm-hmm. And in America, it was called Return. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that soundtrack can be found. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on iTunes. Yes. And you can find good copies of it on eBay. Even, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is really excellent. And I, I enjoyed the fact that one of his favorite pieces of music isn't actually from the first movie. It's from the second movie. And it's... um. By the fireside, that's mm-hmm. one of his absolute enjoyment pieces that he uh, enjoyed composing for. Kind of, you know, continuing that story. Right. It, it's just really amazing. Um, I found also the waltzing Matilda. Yes. Reference in the interview to be really good. Which is the song is in the the credits for yeah right and, yeah. and he had hoped just uh, he had hoped that it would be a significant moment for Australians mm-hmm. when that happened I, yeah I love that yeah and and uh, I mean that plus the the man from Snowy River poem they're very much staples in Australian history and mm-hmm. so uh, I, yeah when he was talking about that in the interview I loved how he was just on edge for whether or not people were gonna like it or just discard it yeah yeah so that was great he figured if they would applaud great Mm -hmm. then it's done its job right and uh one other piece of info that i really enjoyed was the fact that um he had used i mean he was called upon to conduct for the olympics Mm -hmm. in sydney Mm -hmm. and he he was so nervous for that and then he heard in the the, uh, headphones that just two ticks Mm -hmm. and he was like tick tick boom and so he went with it and he was on and can you imagine the tenseness and you know, you've got billions of people watching for the Olympics, mm-hmm. and he just he was able to do it, and I thought that was just really, really fantastic. The all-around screenplay and how Banjo Patterson had such so much to refer to for uh, the movie itself that mm-hmm. that poem had such great influence. Mm-hmm. Anyone that really uh, wants to see this movie or hasn't seen this movie yet if you haven't seen this movie you need to see this movie yeah so i i really agree <laughs> well that that poem to me struck me as you know like um uh, I, I don't know if they still do it in elementary school but when i went up you you did memorize certain poems mm-hmm. uh we memorized the the like the midnight ride of Paul Revere or yeah, whatever it was. Yeah. And it, it kind of struck me as like, you know, that was, that would be something that kids would know in Australia, yeah, you know, and yeah. it's very much staple in their history. And, and so I, I just, I love the poem so much. And I, mm-hmm. and I love that this movie came from that. And very similarly, my, my mother loves this movie to death. My, my dad's piano player and he, he you know, memorized the theme and used to always play yeah. it for Jessica's theme at least. And, uh, yeah, it, um, it's it's more known in Australia than it is in America, mm-hmm. even though it did pretty well in Europe altogether, and then Disney picked it up yeah. for the sequel. Yeah. But and, anytime I can show it to a friend, I try to, because it yeah. is a movie that should be and watched. It's, it's on Netflix. 
Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So anyone that has Netflix, they can be able to look up the man from Snowy River mm-hmm. and be able to watch it in all its glory because it's it's really good. And I mean, it's got Kirk Douglas in it, mm-hmm. and he plays two roles. And he plays two <laughs> roles, which I didn't realize when I was a kid at first. And I remember at some point rewatching it, I was like, Oh my gosh, yeah, that's Kirk Douglas, and that's Kirk Douglas. <laughs> Yeah, that was great. That's great casting and idea. It's really even interesting. Even back then, they found unique ways to put them in the same room, even though mm-hmm. they're the same person. Right. They were able to get someone to just stand in mm-hmm. while he was voicing it. And then they would have, he would have to wait pretty much. Kirk Douglas would have to wait until the other person was done probably just mouthing the words Mm -hmm. and then he would chime in yeah the tricks they had to do back then compared to what they can do now yeah yeah Mm -hmm. because now you can put like someone that looks exactly that is written is Mm -hmm. the same person sure you can put them right next to each other face to face exactly digitally grab all that stuff yeah it's just it's phenomenal Mm -hmm. but even back then you know they had those uh unique uh, tricks that they were able to do you know that movie magic right one of the points was that the movie wasn't shot in the actual snowy mountains of australia mm-hmm. but it was in the victorian high country near mansfield victoria mm-hmm. and that was a kind of interesting because that's where the man burrows burrow's wife wife's family had lived for several generations and so i like that tom burlinson had Mm -hmm. confirmed to be able to that it was him yeah that went over that cliff and that whole scene is just phenomenal um what other points really stand out for you for the movie well first off yeah even though it wasn't in the snowy mountains it still looked wonderful and the fact that it was done at jeff burrow's estate um was was really neat you know burroughs was a producer on the first film that went on to direct the sequel uh Mm -hmm. just because he loved it so much uh yeah i love that um uh i mean first of all the fact that that the music and the movie meshes so well together yeah you know when i think of clancy's theme i think of uh, you know, Clancy out in the wilderness and, and uh, you know, hunching down by a, by a fire or something like that or, or defending uh, Tom's character as, as being somebody worthy of being on this chase and everything. And, and his, his character was great. Yes. I mean, like, his character was just absolutely spot on. It was just, you know, really well put together. Everyone that acted in the movie was really mm-hmm. good. The actress that played Jessica... Mm-hmm. I can't remember her name. Uh, Sigrid, Sigrid Thornton. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was in the sequel, so yep. that was very good that uh, they had Tom Berlinson and mm-hmm. uh, Sigrid Thornton back for the sequel. So yeah, it, it saddened me that that Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas wasn't in the sequel as a kid. I I I knew uh, what what's his name Brian that, Dennehy. Uh, Brian Dennehy. I knew him from First Blood. That was the okay. only other movie I'd seen him when I was younger, and he See, was the I knew sheriff. Him. I knew him from, uh, he was in um, The Parent Trap. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, there you go. He was in that, and he oh, was in The Quiet Man. It. That's right, yeah. Well, <laughs> I knew him as the villain from Rambo, and and sure, he was a decent enough villain, but he wasn't 
he wasn't the stoic, you yeah. know, Kirk Douglas. Mm-hmm. And when I found out later on that it was less a matter of a scheduling conflict and more a matter of uh, some drama that Kirk Douglas had yeah. kind of brought up something about he he thought he wasn't paid all of his dues and uh, I even in prep for this I looked up old newspaper clippings and found an article about this and then Burroughs uh you know defending the picture and saying we have paid him every cent he's due and we'll pay him whatever he will be due you know but uh yeah so that just went down dirty and I think that was probably why he wasn't in the sequel yeah yeah and I think that was probably a good idea Mm-hmm. Because he wasn't really being respectful of the yeah. director. He wasn't being respectful of the producer. Way to burn a bridge. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it's amazing, though. He's still alive. And I know he is. <laughs> he's 100 years old this year. So mm-hmm. that's just phenomenal to me because he was born in 1916. Yeah. So. It, is, it is phenomenal. And he was. You know, a drama aside on the after uh, effect of it, he was great in the film. Yeah. Both of his characters were just great. He had the, the stoic father, and then he had the, uh, you know, sad but happy, you know, gold miner. Yeah. I mean, they they were they were great roles, and they yeah. he, he did justice to both of them really, really well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, really why we're here is because of the music. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, it is a soundtrack that can be played over and over again. I agree. It's like, I can have it in my CD player in my car and not feel like, oh, the CD's ended. I'm just going to keep listening. Because <laughs> yeah. it just feels like it just flows right back mm-hmm. to the beginning and you're all set again, you know, for the yep. same music. So, well, that's uh, something I listen to when I when I write. I, I like to... I have certain playlists for when I write my books and, and, and one of them is a soundtrack playlist and, and I just have a whole handful of tracks from that soundtrack just because you, yeah. you got the intense urgency of the of the chase and Jim's ride and you have the calming stuff of, of Clancy and and uh, Jessica's theme and uh, and I love how on the soundtrack you get a little bit of Clancy or Clancy's character humming. Mm-hmm. Uh, to his song yeah. and then his song comes in and yeah it's yeah it's it's so uh the movie is is something you can replay all the time and the soundtrack is something you can replay they're, they're yeah. just really great i i definitely agree because it's just just a beautiful score and bruce roland did an amazing job with it and he went on to do other things such mm-hmm. as like andre and uh lightning jack but you know these are films that we've heard of sure but he's still has produced several different films in Australia. Right. And I was really amazed that he had started out doing just jingles. Mm -hmm. And then he got started with The Man from Snowy River, and it just was really well done. And he won an award for the second movie. Yeah. Uh, What was it? The uh, APRA Award for Best Original Score. Mm -hmm. And that was for a sequel. Yeah. You know? Well, the first one was so monumental. Yeah. You don't really hear about this. A sequel winning maybe, score. Maybe it was because of that. Oh, probably. Yeah. That, you know, that maybe the Academy had went back mm-hmm. and looked at the original movie and looked at the original score and then compared it to the second one and right. uh, really ramped that up and said, hey, this is a 
really fantastic score. And so, well, and he, he wrote new stuff for that, but then he reworked the old ones. Mm -hmm. uh, Jessica's theme being reused for the wedding in in this in the second movie, and and I've heard of people using Jessica's themes for their wedding, and so I, I love that he was able to revisit some of those songs and kind of rework them back so that it's familiar, but it's new at the same time. And yeah, he did really well with that. It wasn't a lazy second movie score at all. No, he really put his heart into it as right. well. Mm -hmm. um, so what I'd like to do today, we I've got a few cues I'd like to share. First of all, I'd like to play the main theme from The Man from Snowy River. Uh, what do you think about this theme, Josh? Uh, it's great. It's a monumental theme. When I when I listen to it, I can see the Australian countryside. I can see the mountains. I can see the horses. It's you know you said he would be on set and whatnot. It, it really did feel like this was a an, a song for Australia. And mm -hmm. and I can't listen to that song and not think of the gorgeous cinematography and the countryside that they filmed for this movie. And they just they. They're, they're both very grand, you know, mm -hmm. the pictures and the music, and they just, they work so well together. I, I love the main theme so much. Yeah. So now let's play the main theme. So one of the things I really appreciate is Jessica's theme. Mm -hmm. And you appreciate that theme yep. as well. That's the next thing we're going to play because it really helps through the movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you get elements of it uh, through her struggle with her father right. and uh, knowing about her uncle and finding that, that whole family yeah. drama and uh, how the two had went their separate ways. And it's so powerful of a piece and beautiful at the same time. What are your thoughts on it? I agree. I, it is a very powerful piece. Um, and the way, um, the way they put it in the movie as well, it's, it's, uh, it's also breaking in the cold. And, and, I, and I love the, the imagery of, of Tom's character doing that. And, um, and then... Uh, it, it kind of was symbolic of the, the, the cult was being pretty stubborn and Jessica's very stubborn in the film with her dad and, and with her love interest and just in general. And so it, 
uh, yeah, it's it's a very powerful piece, and it it just makes me so happy that this is the the first piece that he wrote for the movie. That's really neat. Yeah. So now let's play Jessica's theme. So the next cue I'd like to play is actually a combination of three of the themes. Um, it's the mountain theme, Jim brings in the Brambies, Brumbies, and Clancy's theme. So what are your thoughts in regard to this? Uh, they're all great. Um, the mountain theme is, is great, especially when it breaks off into uh, the kind of quieter version of it when uh, you see the horses slow-mo into the snow. It's very gorgeous. 
Um, but, but music, when when Jim is bringing in the Brumbies and you've got all these guys who had a long day, they came back with nothing, you know, and then they look out in the distance and here he is just man of the mountain, you know, bringing them all in. And, and you so, hear that, you hear that echo yes. of the whip. Oh, it yes. just, it made such an effect mm-hmm. because they realized he brought all these Brumbies in by himself. Yes. Yeah. And the music swells and instead of being pissed off, they all just kind of, you know, hang out on the fence and watch yeah. him do his work. And Clancy's just like, yep, I knew he could do it. And always oh, a great scene. Yeah. And so even with Clancy's theme, you know, you get you get him really because he knew his father in the movie and you get that they're good friends. Right. And the people at the ranch, they didn't even really realize that mm-hmm. how much that they had this connection. Yeah, I love the fact that Clancy is such a, a, a man that's revered in this in this tale. And we don't get a huge backstory about him. Mm-hmm. But you just know that if, if you're a person in this region, you know who Clancy is. So yeah. if, if Clancy is vouching for this other person, that means there's something serious going on with them. And, and it's so great that, you know, it pays off in the end. And yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. So now let's play those three cues.
So lastly, to end the show, I'd like to play the end titles to The Man from Snowy River. It's been a real enjoyable episode getting uh, the interview with Bruce Rowland and also talking about the film and not not many people may have heard of the film. Mm-hmm. And it's really sad in a way because it's such a fantastically shot film. It's, it's beautifully scored. Uh, the cinematography is amazing. And it's just kind of an unknown movie. And it's good to be able to talk about one of those type of movies because then maybe somebody, when they hear maybe the, even this episode, they can go back and watch the movie, or find that movie, and realize, wow, this is a really fantastic movie. Yeah, I have to, I have to say, I'm, I'm very impressed with your taste, Randy. I'm, uh, just looking over some of the films you've done, um, this movie, and like I said, uh, The Last Starfighter, are both films that my wife had never heard of, and I, I've shown them to her, uh, just because I'm a, a cinephile, I, I love movies and I love classics like these. And she loved them, and she's never heard of them, you know. And 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 this is particularly, even though Disney picked up the sequel, it still is more of an Australian movie. Mm-hmm. And when you watch it, it they don't feel like Disney movies. No. They don't feel like American films. Yeah. And of course, they weren't as advertised here as they were in other parts of the world. So. Uh, yeah, I hope people listen to your episode and go out and see this because they should. They should. And it's easy to find. It's out yeah, there. It's know? not it's not hard to find. And I mean, I'm sure it's on Amazon Prime. Sure. Or Amazon Video or however mm-hmm. it, it's worded now. Yeah. Um, but it's on Netflix and you can buy the DVD. Oh, yeah. And I would absolutely recommend people to buy the DVD that is widescreen. Yes. Like the the man from Snowy River. The sequel, you can't get in widescreen. Correct. It's only in full screen. Which is weird. But... Yeah. It's very odd that they never went back and mm-hmm. did it in full in widescreen. But maybe that was a Disney thing. Maybe they just didn't want Could to be. go back and do it. But who knows? They could have released it in widescreen in Australia. And then yeah. just since it wasn't that big here, they just never did. Yeah. Like it's it's never been released on Blu-ray here. Yeah. And if I saw it on the shelf on Blu-ray, yeah. I would buy it in a heartbeat. Yeah. I own the DVD. I don't care. I'd buy the Blu-ray because yeah. it's wonderful. Gorgeous film. Yeah. So I want to thank you for being on the show. Um, people know where to find you. Uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, AveryAces916. And uh, uh, you can find me on Facebook at The Fierce or Fading. Just type that in. You'll see uh, what else I'm doing with my books and comic conventions. They're coming up. So that'll be... Uh, yeah. That'll be uh, my weekends coming soon. Are you going to Planet Comic Con? Or I'm not going to Planet Comic Con. Not this year. Uh, the next big one is going to be at the end of April. It's uh, Chicago C2E2. Oh, okay. And that's uh, it's growing. It's it's almost the third biggest Comic Con in the United States now. Wow, so that's I'm excited for that. Amazing. Yeah, very much. So that that'll be something for you to look forward to. Yes. Um, you can find my show on iTunes and on Podbean. Um, follow me on Facebook on Soundtrack Alley. Uh, when you go to Soundtrack Alley on Facebook, you can actually click on the links right there and it'll take you to a player that'll actually play it right from Podbean, which is pretty amazing. So, I mean, that's just really set up really nicely. And so, so now we'll play the end titles and happy listening. 
thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley, the podcast. I hope you take some time to review my podcast on iTunes and also listen to it on Podbean. And if you leave a review or rating on there, it'll help us get noticed on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a good day.